This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Welcome, best and brightest, Friday edition. I enjoy saying that. I've become somewhat accustomed to it. Friday edition. It's been a while since we could cut loose and have a Friday edition. Today may be the day. Then again, well, it's live radio. One never knows, do one. Who knows what goes on in the hearts of men? The shadow do. Excelsior. Best and brightest, thank you for being here. You made this choice. I'd like to think it was the best possible one for what you had in mind. I am Jay Severin. You're the best in radio. We deserve each other, in my humble view. We are together, the Blaze Radio Network, and we combined to be reachable and arguable via one 3393 one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Now, for our Legion Samoan listeners, and I must uh, thank uh, Kalesa for this. The number, if you're calling from Samoa or you prefer to call from within the United States in Samoan, that would be Tasi Valu 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 Eva Selo Selo. Tolu, Tolu, Eva, Tolu. That's right. My wife is looking at me suspiciously as though this is some kind of code. And it is. But I, but I believe me, I don't know what it means other than one 888 Again, our, our billions of listeners uh, in Hindi... The number would be ek ot 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 na shunya shunya teen teen na tinya. And last and certainly not least, the millions of people who crowd the radios, sometimes in their villages, that have only one or two. You can imagine, even though I'm living back in the you know 19th century in Hungarian. Edai, Noitz, 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 Kiles, Zero, Zero, Hadam, Hadam, Kiles, Hadam. And that's, uh, that comes from Wolf. We have others, and I certainly do not mean to leave out in any way our Legion audience listening and participating in Mandarin, Estonian, especially after seeing the Estonian women's anything team. Uh, The Estonians, uh, 
or binary code. We have the number in binary code, and I don't wish to leave out the geeks because they shall inherit the earth. And if we're still here, you'd like to be on good terms with the geeks, wouldn't you? one 3393 I decided today to insinuate a flavor of Friday, even though we have other very serious stuff to talk about, almost all political. I, I, and I know, I, I, I please some of you and disappoint others in saying that, but that's, it is what it is, what it is, and that's what it is. But I'm going to start with Zika. Again, not because of the disease, not because I understand disease, though I've given to understand I've done my share. Uh, no, I, not because I'm a, a doctor or play one on the radio, not because I can offer you any insight into the actual medical aspects of this, but because it's quickly becoming a sociological phenomenon. It's becoming a political phenomenon. I would give you an example. Many of us believe in climate change. Many of us don't. Many of us believe that the climate change is man-made. Many of us don't. But bottom line, do you believe in climate change? Well, I can tell you that the city planners, the county commissioners, and the state politicians all over the neighboring states that are contiguous to Florida or nearly contiguous to Florida are already spending hundreds of millions of dollars studying planning, equipping for when residents of Florida move to Georgia. They can, the people who know this can name you the Georgia counties where you couldn't give away real estate two years ago. Down, down below the Nat line, as they say. There are places in southern Florida, uh, sorry, southern Georgia, you cannot give away land. And now it's selling for a million dollars an acre. Now, I don't know if it's a million dollars. I'm making that up. But it's right now you want hot, you want hot real estate? Go to places you would never dream of. Look at the map of the United States. And look at the arc of land, which is north-northwest of Florida. Because I can tell you that the people who live there and do business there are. Because what they believe is that whoever's fault it is, whomever is to blame, and whatever exactly is going to happen, one thing they believe is overwhelmingly likely to happen. And that is that Miami Beach, that nature, such as it is, nature is within 
as soon as 20 to 25 years, nature is going to reclaim Miami Beach. Everything that we know as Miami Beach, and again, if you look at a map of Florida, most of us who do not live in Florida or are otherwise familiar with it have very bent psychological maps of Florida. If you actually take out a map or call up a map on the computer, look look at a map of Florida and the tiny, tiny relative area that that South Beach, so to speak, the hottest place on the earth for a few years, right? So be South Beach. Okay. As a subsection of Miami Beach is a tiny, tiny area. Miami Beach, in fact, is a tiny, tiny area. And Miami is different than Miami Beach. Because Miami Beach was once a, uh, an Everglade. It was a swamp. And far-sighted developers decided to roll the dice in the 1920s and fill in fill in to 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 replicate an act of god and fill in the swamp that was Miami Beach and put things up on effectively on stilts to build foundations such that roads building foundations everything necessary to develop an area from swamp to booming metropolis could be accomplished And so they set about that task. They succeeded beyond their wildest dreams. It's now called Miami Beach. And were you to listen to or consult anybody in the climate business, including those who say climate change is wildly exaggerated and in no case is it man-made. So if you take... Even the people who are at the very skeptical end of this, they would say to you, I would not be putting my money right now in Miami Beach because whomever is to blame and whatever the timetable, sometimes shockingly soon, within the lifetimes of people who are in the range of our voices right now, Miami Beach will not exist. Miami Beach will be underwater. All of the people who live in Miami Beach live vertically. There are, there are, there are virtually, almost literally, no horizontal homes in Miami Beach. They're all vertical, right? The problem with that verticality is that you're fine if you live above the second floor so long as you never, ever, ever have to go out or get delivered anything, because in 25 years, everybody tells us the first floor of the fanciest building in Miami Beach is going to be underwater. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network.
in the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. And only with partners. That part is up to you at 1-888-900-3393, 1-888-900-3393, or in Estonian, Ukska hepka keshka keshka nul nul kolm. Kolm, Weska, Kolm. Now, don't mock that um, until you've seen the Estonia women's Olympic team in anything, guys, and some exciting girls. Okay, I just used a, uh, it wasn't uh, very uplifting, I admit, but. I just thought I'd give you the state of the art thought as it is right now on what's going to happen vis-a-vis climate change to Florida. And evidently, the combined thinking of a range of scientists, including the doubters, all agree that Miami Beach is unsustainable. It's unten- it's it's untenable. And it, it is by the way thus because it shares not unique characteristics but because indeed it shares common characteristics with any land whether or not people live on it. I mean there's lots of land in say, along the border lines of South America and Africa, where no one lives. And if in 50 years, 20 years, 50 years, you know, if, if, if the grandchildren of people listening right now are your age, the coasts of those continents may well be such that the ocean... Waves are breaking a mile further inland, farther inland, than in the last 10,000 years. Now, that is not particularly going to affect uh, people, places, or things, because by and large, by and large, that place is not developed. That doesn't mean that human beings don't live there. And a great example of that is, say, Bangladesh is most southeastern of East Asia. Bangladesh, the Philippines, Malaysia, that there, there are tribes, i.e. communities of people who have lived on the ocean. I mean, 
on the ocean. Many of them live, as you know, on uh, sticks. They, they, li- they live on platforms already risen from the water by various means, you know, the pile drive them into the sand and keep them a, a few feet above the water. But whether by that means or others, they live on the water. They live at the beach. Do you want to live at the beach? These people have our dream. They live at the beach. Think how quickly a dream can become a nightmare. If you live at the beach and the beach decides to move inland half a mile. Because in places like Bangladesh, the Philippines, Malaysia, this, this, we won't hear about it. I mean, we'll hear about it, but no one will make a big fit over it because it's not like you're going to have a Hollywood movie with waves of water reclaiming big cities that make for good video on the news. Now, we're not going to have that. What we're going to have is hopeless poor, powerless people of color of the third world who are going to be displaced, many of them will be wiped out. Wiped out. Because they have nowhere to go and no means by which to get there. But if the ocean decides to, and an ocean could do whatever it wants, I've spent my life in and around the ocean. And one thing I've learned, the ocean could do whatever it wants. It's the ocean. And if the ocean decides that it's going to move inland uh, by a mile, there isn't anything about it we can do. Just think about what it means. I started with Miami because we can relate to that better. But the people in Miami have scientists. They have televisions, they have information, they have governmental means by which to relocate themselves if they must. So it's a better example by way of illustration so that we all get it, but the the best real example is Bangladesh or, or like places where people have lived for a thousand years, made their living day to day hand fishing with with nets and small boats and living right on the water. And, you know, if the scientists are even close to being right, if the ocean moves inland a thousand yards, half a mile, a mile, then you want to talk about migrants and refugees from Syria? You want to talk about a mass movement of human beings Northward and inland? Just think about it, the basic rules of physics here, or just a water balloon. You know, you have a water balloon, you know how it goes, whoa, whoa, you squeeze one part, the water goes somewhere else. Ice cube tray, whoa, whoa, the water goes here, whoa, water goes here, oops, oops, whoops, water goes here. If, if you've got hundreds of millions of people moving inland, in Africa, then it acts like a water balloon. That they, 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 Africa can better absorb these people than other places. But think about, not selfishly, but think about America. If millions of people who live in Florida 
have to suddenly get out. I mean, when I say suddenly, they're told, you know, three to five years from now, this flooding on your street, it's not flooding is not going to go away. The flood, this is it. You know, Miami Boulevard, it's all this 1A. It's all going to be underwater. It's going to be underwater by a foot for a year or two. Then it's going to be underwater by three feet. So what happens if 20 million Floridians decide they have to move to Georgia? You know what? Back to the beginning of the conversation. They're planning for that, really planning right now. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three, or for those of you who follow only in binary code, triple lot one one triple lot one triple lot one triple lot one triple lot one quadra ot quadra ot double lot double one double lot double one one double o one double lot double one. I, I, it's okay if I did that fast because people in the binary community, people in the LTGBQ, AM and FM, DDS, SDS, AM and FM, PhD, BBC, binary community get this stuff really quickly. So there it is. Now, what you've just heard is the doom and gloom segment, uh, although, come on. Tell me you didn't learn something there that you didn't know. Or tell me that you think I'm full of bologna and that what I've just said there is untrue. One or the other. If what I've said is untrue, that would be interesting to have you tell me so. If you believe what I've just said is so, then that's almost as interesting. Because what you get a picture of is the map of the world, and all you need to do is look at the map of any coastal community, New York City. They say that Hurricane Sandy is a model of what is going to happen in the next 20 years. I mean, now, 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 and for the next 20 years. Storms will become common that flood the lower part of Manhattan where the water simply rises, where the East River simply rises higher than the battery, and people in Peter Stuyvesant Village and down there, you know, all these places in lower Manhattan, there just won't be a a riverfront walk anymore. The water will rise above that, and then you know what it does? It pours, water seeking, like Democrats, water seeks its lowest place. And so the water will come onto land. The minute it does, it will seek a lower place. It will seek a means by which to return to water. And what will that water do? The water will do what it did in Hurricane Sandy. It will flood lower Manhattan, the Battery, uh, all those areas. And then it will pour into the inviting apertures 
of the subway stations. Every eighth of a mile in Manhattan, there is a gaping aperture known as the subway station entrance. And the water will pour into that so that it can continue to go downhill and seek its own level. I don't know. Is this the Bernoulli principle? Someone help me. But I know I'm right whether or not I have Bernoulli, whether Bernoulli's a pasta or a principle. I know I've got the facts right here. Water will seek its own level. It will flood southern Manhattan. It will go into the Broadway uh, and other uh, 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 subway openings. And when it floods downward, that that billions of metric tons of salt water will instantly short out the New York subway system and the electrical system of everything and everybody. That is to say, a summer storm that could happen next week, but they say will happen with regularity over the next couple of years, will replicate Hurricane Sandy, and a series of them will render most of Manhattan, which includes Wall Street, Wall Street, will render Manhattan uninhabitable, dysfunctional. It will render it what any other piece of real estate in the world is that's underwater and where the water's not going away in 48 hours. The water's not going to drain. One of these storms, the the series of these storms will occur, and the drainage schedule will take longer and longer and longer, and then at some point, there is no scientist left that doesn't agree with this, that at some point, the water, and we could talk about Los Angeles, talk about Miami, New York, talk about any place you like that's coastal. But as a native New Yorker, I think about this in more graphic terms, and I can just imagine a flood in New York that doesn't recede. Not a flood like a tsunami, just merely 8 to 10 inches of water that when it recedes, it recedes to six to eight inches of water. What that means is half, at least, of Manhattan, the business half, by the way, is underwater. It's uninhabitable. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's under a permanent one inch of water or 101 inches of water. It's out of it. Knocked out. Gone. Now, you know, I bring this all up to make us happy because it's Friday. You can change the subject. one 888 I'll even help. Do you think Trump's position on immigration has been various positions this week? Do you think it's perceived by most people as flip-flops? one Uh, The AP has counted nine flip-flops in Trump's position on immigration. His signal, his signature, his touchstone issue. And they're saying that it's going to kill him. 
that right now it's percolating and the outcome of this is going to absolutely kill Trump because his immigration policy was what brought him to the dats and now he is leaving uh, the ugly girl at the dance to go home with a boy, uh, just politically speaking. So we could talk about that, and we will. It's qu- how quickly we get there or anywhere else is up to you. one 888 All right, I brought this all up, actually, to mention Zika. What I'm trying to say is, suppose the next threats aren't from the Iranian Navy. And they could be. You see what the Iranian Navy is doing with our Navy in the Straits of Hormuz? They are pinching our tit. No matter what we do, no matter where we go, they are sending out the equivalent of uh, fast boats to a dog, follow, cut in front of, jam the navigation of our boats as large as destroyers. And we have had four times, four times this week has the United States had to fire flares and in one case warning shots across the bows of Iranian fast boats because they were creating dangerous navigational circumstances in the Straits of Four Moves. Now it might might seem to us that they are they are drawing they're attempting to draw our fire. They hope we'll fire at us. There is a school of thought that says Iran thinks that they can launch nuclear missiles at the United States uh, continentally or our interests or maybe just destroy Israel and then stand back and say, yeah, what the F are you going to do? There is a strong school of thought that says that's what the Iranians have in mind and they would like nothing better than to sacrifice a couple of PT boats for the beginning of World War III, which they believe they'll win. When I tell you this is a strong school of thought, I tell you that I've spoken to United States senators in the last 24 hours who are in a position of intelligence briefing and knowledge on this matter that are fearful, cogently fearful, that Iran is determined to continue to do these things and escalate it in an escalating scale of humiliation until we are hopeless, helpless, hapless before the world, before our our allies say, look at the United States. Look at the United States having its underwear pulled down and over its head and being wedgied and hung from a soda machine, like in prep school. You know, I mean, how long do you let, how long do you let an inferior country harass you? Well, this is a school of thought, and it's a very, very big school. It's a very big school. Then you've got a school of thought that says, you know, school of thought number one ain't wrong. Ergo and thus... The next time we even see, if we can see on the horizon, which is approximately 14 miles, if we can see on the nautical horizon an Iranian watercraft, we ought to vaporize it. Not just hit it, not bomb it, not torpedo it, 
vaporize it, vaporize it, and say, now, now what do you have in mind? Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to the Doomsday segment. I'm not sure I really intended it to be such, but I find this stuff interesting. What I'm trying to set up, believe it or not, uh, here in the final segment of of this hour is Zika. And I'm, I'm just running by you the other things we don't control to set you up for this punch. Zika. Could it be the next Black Death? Really, truly, the avian flu, did did we just bite the bullet there? Or, I'm sorry, dodge the bullet? What about Ebola? Did we just dodge that bullet? Is there something that's going to happen like the Black Death occurred that wiped out one-third, one out of every three human beings died in a space of, you know, what, 10 years? I don't know the I don't know the length of time, but it it was a it was just the Black Death. We couldn't do anything about it. Is that the next atomic bomb? Is that the, the Iran making war? And let's go back to Florida as an example here. I and my family and I gathered around the television and laughed hysterically, but in a morbid kind of way, about these zones. Have you seen them? Where they like put up the map, like the Google map, and then they drew a zone around several blocks of South Miami. And they said, Zika here, but then across the street, no Zika here. And we just, we pissed ourselves we laughed so hard and they kept showing these zones they had actual street addresses okay on fourth street east side zika when you cross the double line on that street and go to fourth street west side no zika mosquito can't fly across the street and they had these zones And all the zones were, okay, we've reduced this. And this, of course, was the government of Florida trying to protect tourism, not trying to protect pregnant women. And so they would say, don't worry, we've limited Zika to this zone. And by the way, the zone happened to be one of the rundown, poor uh, precincts of Miami, not Miami Beach, not South Beach. So they all said, here's this zone. Look, you can look at it right here. If you're not planning on staying here, you're fine. Uh, If you're here, you're in danger. But look at this. If you stay in the Doral uh, or the Four Seasons or uh, any of these fine hotels, they're only two blocks away, but they're out of the zone. So you're fine. And I had, my kids were laughing at this, like, wait, wait, let me get this. A mosquito, a mosquito blown by wind or taken of its own tiny mind. We must stay within the zone. 
because the zone is dangerous, but over here a block away, mosquito can't go a block away. Well, guess what? The mosquitoes don't watch CNN. The mosquitoes don't watch Fox. Amazing how they just ignore the news media and they fly across the street. So every day now there's a new and different zone. And guess what? You know what the zone is for Zika? First of all, we don't know what Zika does. We know some of the things it does. All the things it does are bad, awful, ugly, bad. But we don't know everything it does and to whom. But one thing we are learning is that it is the greatest presumption. It is the greatest it is the greatest ego, governmental, cultural ego in the world to assume that we can look at an insect and say, okay, they're going to go to these houses here, but not the house across the street. And now with the flooding in Louisiana, with all the sitting millions of acres, tens of millions of acres of, of pools for spreading the mosquitoes. What about the zone then? Are you kidding me? You're drawing a zone to tell me on which street the Zika mosquito will fly in Miami? This street, but not that street? Come on! Come on! This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. I am going to begin to give some tips. Uh, And one of those tips is, and they're unrelated other than that, they share, they have in common, they are my favorite things. And I like to think that you will like them a lot. Could be a book, could be a film, could be a piece of music. This one occurs to me right now, it's a piece of music. You can, of course, look it up in an instant on whatever device with which you are expert. And the tune is, and settle for the studio version, with very few exceptions in life, no live version of any song other than sucks. You need the studio version of a great song to hear the great musicians do what they do. And it's generally non-musicians who like the live stuff. Musicians like studio stuff. Okay, the studio version of Rock and Roll. I I believe the full title is Rock and Roll to the World by 10 Years After. If you find, if you can find that and play it loud, I mean, it is a Friday night. If you can find Rock and Roll to the World by 10 Years After, and you can play that bad boy loud, I know you will thank me. And I say now to you, Excelsior!
Best and brightest, I am yours and yours truly. I am Jay Severin. We are together, supposed to be. We are together, the Blaze Radio Network. one 3393 About to go to politics. one 3393 I'm going to bookend that musical recommendation. Rock and roll to the world by 10 years after. Don't ask me when it was recorded. It doesn't matter. It is the one of the dirtiest three-chord rock and roll songs ever recorded. If you listen to that and you're not moving, this is one of those songs. And my father wouldn't have liked this song because my father grew up on and was the aficionado of Count Basie and the big bands. But he still would have understood it. He may not have dug it, but he would have understood it because he was a musician. But he used to say to me, and I remember a particular song on a particular Count Basie album, and my father used to say to me, when they think I'm gone, play this. And if you don't see me moving, you know I'm gone. I'm, I got to be gone. If this is playing and I'm not moving, okay? Ten years after is the group. Song title is Rock and Roll Music to the World. However loud you play it, you've got it wrong. Play it louder. It's not meant for other than headphones unless you have unbelievable speakers. Unless you have an unbelievable sound system in your car or wherever you are, and you listen to music, or you don't listen to music, and these little shitey buds that Apple gives you do not do the job. You need to go out and get, what do I have here? Uh, I have Marshall, major FX headphones, you know, the big ones that you plug in to your cell phone. Rock and roll music to the world 10 years after. If you plan, and I don't mean here to suggest anything untoward, but if you have a particular relaxant that is characteristic of your Friday evening, let's say a martini, or it might be something else. But let's say after enjoying uh, a moderate hit of that relaxant you were to listen to rock and roll music to the world by 10 years after louder you don't have it loud enough and keep telling yourself that however loud you have it it isn't loud enough so that you could truly enjoy it you listen to that it will change your life And then if you need some coming down from that, and I recommend this because your heart rate is going to require, your metabolism is going to require this. After you listen to rock and roll music to the world by 10 years after, then what you do is punch on another 10 years after tune, uh, which is... mm, 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 mm. I woke up this morning 
I woke up this morning. I woke up this morning is significant for a couple of reasons. It is one of the three, four, five best illustrations of the absolutely filthiest, dirtiest 12-bar electric blues ever recorded. And it's significant also because white boys recorded it. Not just white boys. White boys from England with bad teeth. White boys who were born after all of the black musicians from the Delta were pretty much dead and buried and never paid a dime for their music. And all of this music derived from theirs. But what happened is you had the Robert Johnson music, which is awful. Believe me, the day the Robert Johnson set was available, I was in line buying it, running it home, listening to it. And the thing is, the sad thing is, you, you just cannot listen to the blues recorded by the primitive means by which they were recorded with one guy sitting on a porch you know, playing a cheap wooden guitar. I, I know that those are the roots and it's the real thing and all of that, but you're not going to dance to that. That's not going to change your life. But they changed our lives by being the pioneers who created it. But if you want a bookend, in memory of me, I would ask you to do this. Find these two songs and then please call me and we could talk about it. The songs are both by 10 years after. The first one is Rock and Roll Music to the World. It may have a shorter title in, in when, wherever it's listed. Rock and Roll Music to the World. And then for 12-bar blues, the way it was supposed to be heard, I woke up this morning. I woke up this morning. If you listen to 30 seconds of that song, if you listen to 20 seconds of that song, and you don't, and your life is not different than it was 20 seconds earlier, turn it off. Turn it off. Because you don't get it, and you're not playing it loudly enough. We'll be right back. Jay Severin. On the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. On the Blaze Radio Network. With partners, Scott. If Scott's not a partner, come on. Scott, welcome back. Yes, how are you doing this afternoon? What's up? Norm- I'm well, thank I would, you. Normally I, would, normally I would say good afternoon, but based on the first hour of, uh, as you labeled it, the doomsday <laughs> segments. You just want to kill yourself. Uh, I understand. Yeah. yeah. I was just saying, I'm glad you're not a weatherman, uh, based on the forecast you gave order <laughs> in New York. But let's remember, and uh, Bri- actually, before I move on to that, you bring up music, that may be the one topic I enjoy more than uh, politics. 
So you can Excellent. bet that I will be playing that song tonight. And, will you please, uh, you will you please find those two? Ten years after, song number one, rock and roll music to the world. Song number two, uh, a studio version. Uh, song number two, I woke up this morning, studio version. Those two songs yep. define my musical existence and are therapeutic for all true people who dig music. Wow, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, especially the one that rocks, the one that's going to bring me up. You made me realize how much my headphones suck, though. I have the, uh, but I, I do agree you have to listen to them with headphones on, but I need to get a good pair of headphones that really... Well, look, uh, I, we're all look. it's Friday night. We're all looking for a good pair. <laughs> right. All right, so back to the uh, climate change, in my opinion, joke. Um, remember, right. it's politicized science. And uh, there are many scientists out there that do debunk the climate change theory and that it's bad for the earth or it's currently happening and it's man-made. But remember, yeah. there's billions however, of dollars however, on the line. Would you, also, would you also footnote here, Scotty, that I made, I took pains to footnote in making my points that the things I was saying are agreed to or 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 are 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 uh uh protested by nobody these are these are not this is not you know I'm not going here with the playbook of the climatologist nutzoids I'm I'm going with the stuff that even the conservative climatologists agree they even the conser- they're not saying man did it they're not saying we have to stop using hairspray. They're not saying we have to stop, you know, driving, uh, you know, SUVs. These are people who pretty much are the conservatives of the lot. And they say, look, something's afoot for sure. Whoever did it, it's, it's in process. And, yeah, in 15, 20 years, the people who live in Miami Beach, the water's going to, you know, be like after a really bad snow, uh, sorry, uh, rainstorm, but it's not going to recede. That's going to be it. There's going to be six inches of standing water forever until it gets worse. Well, I'll try to be an optimist then and say, so basically what they're saying is Miami Beach is about to move six miles inland. That's a shorter drive for everybody. Exactly. exactly. But what happens, Scotty, you're, you're a smart guy, and that's why you're here. You know what happens with the the subway car effect, right? If we push 10 people into the door before the doors close, what happens to the people who are in the middle of the car? They all get squished, right? Yes, right. All right, so what happens, Scott? What happens when all of the people, or a lot of them, who live in a coastal, a given coastal area, you could say Miami, we could say New York, we could say Bangladesh, but if all of a sudden... What is the coast where the waves are breaking is a quarter mile inland 20 years from now. Can you imagine what happens? Where do those people go? And what happens to the people where they go? It's all the squish effect. Well, one of two things would have to happen. Either everyone moves, you know, essentially, you know, one foot, one foot, one foot, or one group of people moves around them all, and then many more people can stay still. Right, well... Yeah, the, the, the affluent will flee to South Dakota. There are going to be Midwestern states that all of a sudden 
have established a great chic about them, Scotty. It's like, where do you live? Well, I live in I live in Sioux City, South Dakota, which will be like saying I live in, you know, East Hampton, uh, you know, in, in the Hamptons in New York, because the Hamptons are another deal where there's trillions of dollars of real estate, uh, which is where I grew up, where my kid was born, uh, the, the hospital where my oldest daughter was born, Will, according to these, uh, we looked out the window and saw the ocean. Uh, and and didn't see it from a very elevated uh, perspective. So what they're really telling me is the emergency room or, you know, the hospital in which my oldest daughter was born won't be able to function in 15 or 20 years. Well, like you said, you're calling them borderline facts, and I'll concede that because you're a pretty smart guy. But I am not a scientist, so you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right to challenge it. I, I, kind of, I kind of do. I wish maybe I'll call you in 15 or 20 years from Miami Beach with a margarita in my hand saying, you know what, the beach is beautiful. I, I, I would rather hope that we were there together and that we could have the conversation, if by cell phone, from opposite sides of the pool. Right, right, right. And But just remember, in closing on this topic, um, there's big money for scientists to come up with bad news reports. Remember, good news doesn't make the news. So the scientists are going to say, no, everything's beautiful. That, that doesn't, that's not going to lead to 6 o'clock news as much as someone good. who says, it, it, right. as much as someone who says the beach is, uh, Miami Beach is going to be underwater in 20 years. You know, the shock effect, like I said in my last no, call. No, that's right. Everyone ought to listen here to what Scott says. Just, and imagine it, just break it down into two very biteable pieces. One is, is, is hypothetical A. In hypo A, the anchor comes on and says, or what we're really doing here is, there are two different anchors at the same Miami television station, and they're both making a pitch to their bosses that their piece should lead the broadcast that night. Anchor A comes in and says, uh, uh, a boss, here, here's, here's my story. Uh, according to local scientists, everything is fine. Just relax. Don't do anything. Everything is fine. And then, okay, let's bring in the next girl. Okay, boss, my story is end of the world, starting here in Miami Beach. And, Scott, you're the news director. Which do you think you choose to lead? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say, don't educate me with facts, but let's put the person who's going to tell the audience the world is ending on, we're going to triple our exactly ratings. Exactly right. Exactly right. And that's, I think, a lot is going on with climate change. and I even the, to that. You know, so I think there's a lot more. To, and if you dig deep online, you'll find some pretty smart scientists that will give you facts that is like, this is ridiculous. The, Earth is, the Earth's climate has been warming and cooling off and on forever, and it's going to continue to do so, and man has nothing to do with it. Well, I don't believe almost anything I see online uh, merely because it is unvetted. And until the stuff online becomes vetted, and I know this because of the stuff said about me online, I don't mean the critical things. I can live with the critical true things. But the percentage and uh, vitriol of things said about, and again, if it's not, not me thing, I'm just saying to pick one person, I decided to pick me and take a look. And the vitriol and untruthfulness of things said about even a tremendously minor character like me, 
uh, means to me this stuff is unvetted. They have the most basic and easily verifiable facts wrong. And I say, okay, you know, I know you don't like me, and these adjectives are all up to you. But when you state facts, and those facts are wrong, and those facts are easily determined, then there's something else going on here. Yeah, I would agree with that. Be careful what you read online, that's for sure. Um, And Jay, transitioning to Trump, if I could, as you were going to do that at the end of the last hour. One thing I think that's happening here with the email scandals with Hillary, there's more twists and turns than a good roller coaster, and it seems to be the only thing that the Trump campaign is talking about. And I think to Hillary's benefit, it's taking the attention away from Benghazi, which, in my opinion, makes her less qualified to be president, even more than the email scandal does. All right, Scott, because we have less than 30 seconds, I'll ask you to stay over if you are willing. And let me give you some good news to ponder. It may affect what you have to say in your next incarnation in a moment. The newest emails, and no one could keep track of it. I'm trying. The newest emails look like they go exactly to Benghazi. Jay Severin. Excelsior. The Blaze Radio Network. Show. With partners on the Blaze Radio Network, one 3393 Scott, partner emeritus, is back with us. Scott, you've the floor. Yes, well, I'm going to ask you, actually, to elaborate a little more, if you know any more, about the tie-in to the emails, other than, as you say, the new, new, new email scandal. And if they tie that into Benghazi, we, we may have just hit the jackpot. They might finally throw her off the rails and uh, wake up the, the new, up. new, The new, new news, uh, the new, 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 new news about Hillary Clinton and emails. And the mere fact that we can say that, Scott, you know, tells those of us who are veteran news watchers or have an instinct for this, we know that by the fact, that the, by virtue of the fact that this is, you know, the 17th or the 117th email story, it means when you've got 117 counts against someone, you've got nothing in court. When you have one count that the prosecutor can pursue, then you've got something. Well... This new, 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 117th count against Hillary Clinton is that they submitted of all the disks in somewhere in the multiple, the multivarious request labyrinth that the Justice Department half-heartedly, don't forget here, Scott, you know, we have a willing co-conspirator in... Sorry to say so. James Comey of the FBI is afraid to lose his job. He is not a man of honor. He is a dishonorable man. He has no business being the head of the FBI. He is 
He is affixed like a remora fish to the sphincter approximate buttock of the Department of Justice and the president who owns them. And he was never going to do an honest appraisal of Hillary Clinton, no matter what she did. If there was video of her committing murder of her own grandchildren, nothing, nothing was ever going to happen here. And now the 117th revelation, Scott, of uh, emails which were not given, which alone puts you or me in jail. The court order under which Hillary Clinton was operating to provide her emails uh, specified which she was to provide. She provided something like, as I understand it, six out of seven discs. They left like a disc out, and they waited for the wheels of the Justice Department, who are which are already turning very, very slowly in your favor, you know, as such, when they turn slowly, and you're Hillary Clinton. Finally, after years... Somebody, after it dripped through the system, Scott, somebody said, "Uh, listen, uh, don't be angry with me, but it looks like there's a disc that's missing from what the United States government ordered Hillary to provide. And so they wait. People go on vacation. They have meetings. They send her a letter, Scott. And then she gets the letter, and then they lose the letter, and... People go on vacations, and then finally, at the last minute, uh, they say, oh, really? Which disc? And they send back a letter, and the people get the letter, and the letter gets lost, and people go on vacation, and they send back a letter saying, what? did you send us a letter about a disc? And they send a letter, and it gets lost and people go on vacation, and years pass, and finally they say, uh, as of today, yeah, there's a disc missing, and we happen to know that the disc that you omitted, that, that you broke the law, you committed a felony in failing to submit this disc in compliance with the court order, this disc involves Benghazi emails. And the Clinton said, oh, really? Okay, send us a letter. And that's where we are. Yeah, wow. I think she knows that this could be the uh, the big one. And like you said, go on vacation, send a letter. And I think she's just trying to drag it on until post-November of course. 8th or 9th. Of course. And then after they that. Force feed, they force feed the media. And this is a trick the Clintons invented. It is brilliant. It is sinister. I mean, it is every bit of both. They learned, being students of the media, that when the media asks old-fashioned strategists, the guy I learned the business from, would say, well, this is trouble. We better, like, leak out, you know, we better leak out what we give them. And what I was fortunate enough to learn from a visionary who said that's not how the media works anymore when the media asks you for something drown them in it give them so much that they cannot possibly scott cannot possibly understand it all or put it together give them bathtubs 
give them warehouses full of information and disks, drown them in it. So and and then and then do it every week, so that th- it gets all drowned together and no, it's not news anymore. The Clintons are 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 seditious masters of this. Yes, it's it's gross, but it's actually impressive in a gross way. Let's it see, is. You know yeah. I mean? yep. Yeah. 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 Did, did you hear her quote from yesterday or the day before? She said, and this is a quote, I know there's a lot of smoke, but there is no fire. I laughed out yes. loud at that one. So where's the smoke yes. coming from? A barbecue or someone's magic show? It, it, it reminds me of um, when one clown after the other gets out of the car in the circus and he says, this has to be the last clown. And then <laughs> she did screw up there. That's how her scandals are. You think this has to be the last one. And then there's another yeah. email scandal. I would think, uh, she did screw I up there. And, and I know she did. And I know... She knows she did, because the right answer there, this is why, Scott, she will not give a press conference. This is why she phones into Anderson Cooper and says, I don't know what you're talking about. I've spoken to reporters like I am with you right now. And, of course, the big asterisk there is you're not going to hammer me on anything. When I've spoken to 300 reporters, that means I've spoken to 300 ass wipes who are never going to have the guts to ask me what the hard, you know, the hard questions or follow up on them. So she equates and asks, we equate her speaking to anybody in the media. She does a five minute interview with Anderson Cooper with staged questions and she says, good night, good night, Anderson, thank you. And and that's a press conference in her mind. No, a press conference is when you have 200 members of the press corps in front of you asking you questions where they can follow up, follow up, follow up. But, of course, the difference there, Scott, is that what will that look like if it's Hillary Clinton? They're not going to hammer her. They all love her. Yes, that's the other thing that Trump's up against is the mainstream media. Like I said before, it's amazing he's even in the race. He has to defeat all the liberals in the country, and he's got 98% of the press against him. And it just goes to show that liberalism really is a mental disorder, and that if we can just convince, <laughs> how, if we can just convince that middle, independent, undecided vote and expose how disgusting she is, which is, like I said earlier, he should get back to exposing, um, you know, the email scandals and the Benghazi ties, then maybe we can just get out of the 10% we need to keep well, her out of the White House and appointing justices. My Lord, we do not want her appointing Supreme Court justices. Scott, I thank, I thank you as always, my mate and partner. Uh, but I must say, and thank you for the call, but I must say it ain't going to work that way. It ain't going to be emails because they have flooded the zone with emails. And so nobody really cares about emails anymore. When we wake up in the morning and we hear on the blaze or on TV or wherever we hear it, that up 15,000 new Clinton emails, everybody goes, okay, how'd the Cubs do last night? It's not going to be that. And what they've done, and this is the brilliance of the 
seditious thing that the Clintons have honed to a practice is that they force you to bring against them charges so big that you can rarely find them. Because if you bring charges small, they get dismissed in the tidal pool of all the filth that's already out there. The Clintons are a tidal pool of urban human waste. And no one wants to dive into it. And the only way you're going to get journalists to dive into it is if there's a Pulitzer Prize at the bottom of all that turd. And the only Pulitzer Prize is something huge, something that will knock her out of the campaign, something that will be impeachment-worthy. And so far, exactly because of their strategy so far, no one's able to find that. And therefore, these little bullets that come in every day, ping, 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 they ping off an, un, an up-armored vehicle. That up-armored vehicle is the behemoth that is Hillary Clinton. And every day, that ping, ping, does nothing except afford her a chance to say, look at these cheap, stupid politicians attacking me. And every day they attack me. And there's nothing to it. And in the most bizarre kind of way, the ping, ping of these tiny mosquito bites every day about the emails helps her, bizarrely, helps her establish her case that, you see, those right-wingers are after me and they attack me every day, but ping, ping, it all bounces off because it amounts to nothing. This is Jay Febron on the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Jay Severin Show. Our next caller, if I am fortunate enough, we are, that he is held, is Kurt calling from South Korea. And I must say, in by way of introduction, my very selfish and earnestly held position on Kurt is only that he should be happy, healthy, and remain in South Korea so that he can invite me to visit him while I am still able. Kurt! Kurt! Are you there, Kurt? I'm hoping Kurt is busy arranging my flight plans, so that's why we're not hearing from him at the moment. Kurt from SoCo. Kurt, are you with us? It looks like Kurt is not, but I wish to repeat that my uh, selfish interests in Kurt, which I hope are rendered a little less so by my open willingness to admit that what I really most want is to develop a friendship with Kurt such that he is comfortable 
inviting me to visit him in South Korea. I mean, that's really not too much to ask. Actually, it's it's a great, it's a very great deal to ask, but I, I, I intend to ask it nevertheless. One, triple eight, nine hundred, three, three, nine, three. We have changed tack on uh, the restoration of Twitter. I have every confidence that we will have it not just as of Monday, but during the weekend. And I will flood you with love the moment I have it. So I hope you will keep checking. But we will get Twitter back, and we will... I know it's taken all of this week, and it's a pity. It's a, it's a shame, and actually, but uh, there you go, when you have someone who's not technically adept, and I am not. But we have someone who is on the job, and one way or the other... I am uh, as confident as I can be, (laughs) as confident as I can be, that we will have it back as soon as tonight, but sometime during the weekend, and certainly to start the week. If you are with me, uh, I plan next week to, I, I promise you that as I look at the calendars, as I look at the calendars, next week is going to be a big week, and I truly hope that you will be with me on Monday when we announce this is the Blaze Radio Network. I am Jay Severin, and I am welcoming you to our conversation. I I think having gotten out of my system Zika and the Iranian uh, swift boats, uh, I, you know, and the rising tides in Miami Beach. I think we can look forward to, in fact, I can promise you a week of unadulterated politics uh, along an amazing range. I really promise you a very special week. Join me on Monday, would you? I thank you and love you. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network.